Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So one of the things we said on yesterday's show, it was a day for celebrating. It was a day to be really, really happy about a Georgia win against Clemson. One of the great you know, moments I've had in a stadium watching Georgia play in really quite some time. It was a really thrilling thing to be a part of. I was very thankful to have had that experience both with the game. My family was lucky enough to be there with me or I was lucky enough to have them there with me, I guess is what I mean to say on that. Our Dog Nation invasion before the game, fun post-game show after the game. It was just a great day. And sometimes you kind of get caught in that moment. You look around, you're like, wow, I can't believe I actually get to do all this. What a great day all of that was on Saturday. I was just so thankful for all of it. But you've also heard this said in football sometimes uh coaches talk about a 24-hour rule that hey you know if you lose you got 24 hours to mope around about it if you win you got 24 hours to celebrate but after that you got to move on to the next thing and so around here a little bit i mean to be totally honest the high of the win against clemson has completely worn off i would say for me yet and in the studio hopefully that vibe comes through that we're still pretty happy about what georgia did against clemson but it is appropriate got to get back to work got to get back to business and for georgia the the expiration of the 24-hour rule means now you got to look at what happens next and a lot of that is going to be about improving the georgia offense now here's what we're going to do on today's show i'm going to try to give you four ways in which Georgia's offense can get better as the season progresses and a lot of this is going to be based on things that Kirby Smart said yesterday we're going to be fairly audio heavy today because Kirby did talk a lot yesterday about the offense he was asked a lot of questions about that shared a lot of feelings about you know kind of what they did do against Clemson what they need to do more of as we move through the future so I'm gonna let Kirby Smart's words hold the the day here a little bit we're gonna play more clips from him than we typically would on a given show so we'll do some of that with you and here is the point i think we're gonna kind of build it that of the four of the four ways in which george's offense improves over the course of the rest of the season or the four ways that it can improve over the course of the rest of the season i think three of these are actually fairly easy three of these are just gonna kind of happen and on the basis of those three easy things that are about to occur, then I think that Georgia will see some what I would think of as incremental improvement. In other words, you know, a percentage of growth, slightly better, a step up in terms of performance. However, the fourth one of these, the final one that I'm going to get to, is not an easy, obvious step to take. It is a much more difficult, much more challenging step to take. But the good news about that, though, is is that if Georgia can take that final step, then that can lead to not incremental improvement. It can lead to exponential improvement. Think about like data plotted on a graph. I've never been very good at math, but think about the way in which data gets plotted. Not the slight rising up towards the right, but the hockey stick style growth, right? Where you're kind of down here and suddenly the performance shoots way up to the top, way up to the right, the kind of hockey stick style growth, exponential style growth. There is a thing that Georgia can do that can lead to exponential growth, but it is not easy to do. We'll talk about all that coming up in a moment. First of all, let me begin with this. One of the things that Kirby Smart expressed yesterday was the outlook for a couple of receivers that Georgia currently does not have. Think about Dominic Blaylock. Think about Kiaris Jackson. We saw Jackson returning punts but not playing at wide receiver. We saw Blaylock actually pretty active before the game during uh, pregame warm-ups but ultimately not participating in the game against Clemson on Saturday. And Kirby was asked, and this is a source of curiosity for a lot of Georgia fans, well, when can you expect to see Dominic Blaylock and when can you expect to see Kiaris Jackson back playing wide receiver again for Georgia and Kirby Smart addressed that yesterday with his thoughts on both of his receiver injuries. Dom is really close. He's going against our our, our defense. He's going against I man. He's going to scout offense. He's he's getting closer. It's a confidence factor for him. It's it's feeling comfortable going out there, knowing what to do. Um, and Kiaris the same way, guys. But you know, it's not 
it's just not as simple as we're getting him back next Wednesday. You know, it's 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 a feel, and with Kiers's injury, it's not a straight line injury. It's a, a plant and cut injury, and I mean, there's nowhere more at, at, at position wise that you have to accelerate plant and cut than DB and wide receiver. I want to get him back as much as anybody, but he's not yet, and we're going to be patient to make sure they're full and ready to go. So Kirby Smart says we're going to be patient with the Kiers Jackson, we're going to be patient with Dominic Blaylock, and. When Kirby first mentioned the Blaylock thing before the Clemson game a few days ago, saying that he's close, I guess I probably didn't really know how to take that. I don't know that I necessarily even believed that when Smart said it, uh, or at least maybe I didn't want my interpretation of that to, to exaggerate what Smart might have meant by that. Maybe the better overall way to say that. But after seeing him kind of go through the warm-up type stuff on Saturday, maybe he really is close. Maybe he really is getting closer to being able to play than than maybe I initially thought. But but the one way that we can know the Georgia offense is going to get better, this is simple and it is obvious. Eventually, Georgia is going to be healthier than it is now. And that's before you even get to a George Pickens. You know, because Pickens may or may not play for Georgia. Again, for the most part, Pickens is not really on my mind when I think about Georgia football because of how you know serious the injury that he suffered was and how you know just kind of out there into the remote future his eventual return may or may not be Pickens is not really on my mind when I think about Georgia football right now but Karis Jackson Dominic Blaylock are Darnell Washington is and as the weeks progress and it may take a few weeks and all these guys certainly on Washington it may take a few more weeks you know Blaylock Jackson whenever but eventually they're going to be here or you know some of these guys are going to return and just the return to health for some of these guys is going to make the Georgia offense a little bit better it's all the more reason to feel happy about what Georgia did against Clemson last Saturday they won a game with a lot of key offensive pieces unhealthy to the point they weren't even really able to play or certainly not able to play at wide receiver so as you think about the Georgia offense getting better one of the ways which it gets better is guys will eventually get healthier and now that Georgia plays a schedule that looks a little easier than what it was week one all of a sudden the patience that Smart says he wants to take with guys like Blaylock and and Karras that patience is now a little bit more warranted but now let me move on to this. Smart also addressed another receiver by name yesterday, and that's Jermaine Burton. I think a lot of the audience to this show would echo some of the things that we've said, that that Burton was a guy that we had higher hopes for against Clemson than ultimately what was borne out. I don't know that Burton played a great game on Saturday against Clemson. I think of Burton as you know among the most talented pass-catching threats in the Georgia offense. I was hoping to see him be a bigger part of the Georgia offense than he was on Saturday against Clemson. And Smart, being asked directly about Burton yesterday, also shared some interesting insight. And I think the words that Smart uses here leads us to another way in which the Georgia offense can take some incremental steps towards improvement as the season progresses. This is Kirby again. Dom is really close. He's going against yeah. our, our – of the last – well, we have 26, 29 practices before camp. We had 15 in the spring, so let's roughly say that's 45. I bet you he's practiced out of 45 practices 10 times, you know, 15 times he's been able to practice. So he's missed a lot of time. Um, and he was already a, a young player last year in group. So I think for him, he knows that his upside and his best football is in front of him. Um, and he's done everything we've asked in terms of getting well, uh, rehab, and pushing himself um, but he's not he's not in game shape he's not uh, in game speed and and we got to improve that we got to work on it and he's certainly a very talented football player that we're excited about and uh, he will help us be explosive um, and he just got to practice more so Kirby says he's got to practice more and obviously some of that's related to some health issues that he's dealt with but other parts of that it related to the fact that Burton is still a very young player he was a guy that had some nice moments as a freshman a year ago but as Kirby said listen he's only had a small number of even practices at the University of Georgia given you know some of the injury time that he may have missed this past spring and just given the fact that you know he's only been on campus for a little over a year now as it is and there are a few high profile examples of freshman wide receivers who step onto a college campus and they are seemingly great from the word go and we all notice all of that we get a lot of attention we give a lot of attention to players like that but i think those rare instances obscure the fact that for the most part receiver is still an experienced player's position for the most part there are outliers obviously and we could cite examples of those of young players who were good right away 
But for the most part, the best football that a wide receiver plays will be played as that guy just gains more experience. Junior season, more so than freshman season. Sophomore season, certainly more so than the beginning of his career there as well. So Jermaine Burton is an example of a guy that I'm just as high on as I ever was. But on Saturday, either because of the practice time that he missed due to injury or the fact that he's still relatively new into his Georgia career, Burton was not quite ready to be the focal point of the Georgia offense. But here's the good news. He gets to play again on Saturday, and then the Saturday after that, and then the Saturday after that, and the Saturday after that. And over the course of this season, that fuel that projects and propels players towards success, experience at the receiver spot, Burton gets a lot more of that. And as he burns that fuel, the output's going to be better productivity. The experience that guys like Jermaine Burton are about to gain over the course of the next few weeks will make them better by the time Georgia gets ready to play some of its other big games later on in the season. So if you're looking for reason number two, that Georgia can expect some incremental improvement on offense, guys like Burton, who probably did not have their best game on Saturday, get the experience over the course of the next few weeks that have that give them a chance to be better in games that matter later on the season. So if you're scoring at home right now, here are two ways in which Georgia gets better offense we talked about both these already injured players getting healthier young players getting more experienced now reason number three that georgia can expect some incremental improvement on offense also relates pretty closely to something that kirby smart said yesterday he was asked about jt daniels what he saw from daniels in the game how he combated what clemson was trying to do defensively and once again buried in these words are reasons for at least some optimism from georgia fans this is kirby on jt i think all the talk about the weapons he has and doesn't have is is mute point like like that's what everybody wants to talk about and you can make excuses for for me for jt for coach monk and whatever besides the point we got good football players okay so we got to take the football players we have and be explosive it doesn't matter who's out there we got to we got to be explosive we got to get better at it the way they played us and the, of what our game plan was to protect JT and get the ball out and have some different protections and, and do some different things, the game plan was to not get in third and longs. We didn't get in many third and longs. How many sacks did we give up, guys? One. Go check Clemson's average per game. Okay? So the game plan was to be efficient and being manageable down in distances, get the ball out of JT's hands. I feel like we did a good job of doing that we didn't do it consistently enough to score points so we have to do that better um, to be able to score points when I hear Kirby talking right there what I hear from him and talking about what JT has around him what JT himself did how the offense functioned with Daniels at the helm what I hear Smart saying is that he has a lot of respect for the opponent that Georgia just played on Saturday and I think most of us going to the game felt the same way that Clemson did have a well-established pass rush. Their front seven had a history of playing big in big games. And going into that game on Saturday, you had to have a game plan that took all of that into consideration. You had to be careful against Clemson because if you didn't have them blocked right, if you didn't try to get rid of the ball quickly, then the chances that JT Daniels getting sacked as much as DJ Uyunglele got sacked were you know that was there was a substantial chance that could have happened for all the attention that we give on Georgia with good reason for playing what I've called the best defensive performance I've ever seen from Georgia in a big game the truth is the Clemson defense also played really well there too so if you're looking for reason number three for some incremental improvement from the Georgia offense as the season goes along this goes without saying but I'm gonna say it out loud anyway the competition is about to take a step down, at least in terms of overall defense. Now, as group of five teams go, UAB has a pretty good defense, but it's obviously not what Clemson brings to the table. The next you know, few SEC games that Georgia will play in the following weeks, defensively, those are not teams that have the same level of talent that Clemson brings to the table. So some of what you could see from the Georgia offense in the next few weeks is going to be growth on the basis that you're no longer playing a team with Brian Brzee or a team with Miles Murphy or a team with, you know, on and on you go with some of these big names. All of a sudden, you're not playing a team that has that same level of defensive talent anymore. And the Georgia uh, offense may get a little bit better because of that. So once again, we're up to three ways in which there is there is some incremental improvement for the Georgia offense that could occur. Injured players getting healthier, young players getting more experience, the quality of defenses that you're about to play kind of going down, and that leads to Georgia offensive output that's likely to go up. However, deep down, here's what we all know. 
that Georgia actually needs more than just incremental improvement. Georgia needs to take a gigantic step forward with what I would call exponential improvement, being way better than they were offensively on Saturday and, frankly, way better than the program has been offensively the last couple of years. Now, the good news is there is a step that Georgia can take towards that. The bad news is it is not an easy step to take. I'll tell you about that, but first, let's take a moment to introduce the show. My name is Brandon Adams. This is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And glad to have you with us today, no matter how you get to us, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, podcast on all the various podcast platforms, and live on video starting at 9.45 every morning, and then throughout the rest of the show there as well. At dognation.com, right there above the fold at the top of the website page, and on the Dog Nation app there too. Now, we did something fun today as a part of what we're calling our first in 15. So, if you've never watched the show live on dognation.com or live in the Dog Nation app when the first in 15 begins there at 9 45 a.m., let me give you an incentive to check out and see us tomorrow because this morning we gave away three dog nation invasion t-shirts big celebration for the win against clemson obviously a look back it was a terrific weekend for dog nation really good looking dog nation invasion t-shirt i admit to bring mine today and just forgot to so i apologize for that but the point here is is that we gave away some of those on our first and 15 this morning so join us tomorrow and we'll give away some more of those when you check us out starting at 9 45 a.m on the dog nation app dognation.com for a lot on that Connor Riley's also stopping by in a moment there, too. But first, let me remind you, uh, today's program brought to you by our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And listen, with all the rain that's moved in lately, you know all about the foundation waterproofing issues that can be caused by. And some of you have even seen evidence of that in your own home. Well, it's time to take a step to do something about that. Reach out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Now, I love doing business with ESOG because they're proud partners of UGA. They've been supporting Georgia Bulldogs football for a long time. That makes them fun to do business with. They've been huge friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily as well. A just real, real uh, ally for us as we try to deliver this content each and every day. And I'm grateful for that. And I am confident they can take care of you when it comes to your foundation, your waterproofing needs. They have two full-time engineers on staff. They know all about what you're home needs what it's currently dealing with the evidence you've seen that can tell you what it means so uh, please check them out easy phone call simply dial 678 esog now that's 678 esog now that'll get you in touch with engineered solutions of georgia as i said a moment ago connor riley coming up we'll do a kroger fresh take with him Connor in Athens yesterday, a part of a Kirby Smart press conference, some Georgia players speaking there too. A lot came from that. We'll try to break all of that down here coming up in just a little bit. We do a Kroger fresh take. But before that, I want to keep the topic of the Georgia offense going as we move into Around the Doghouse here, presented today by Georgia's own credit union. And what we said a moment ago was, hey, there are three things for Georgia that are going to happen that are going to make some offensive improvement possible. Players are going to get healthier. Players are going to get more experienced. The level of defensive competition you're facing seems likely to go down. And you'll get some benefit from those three things. But the final thing is not an easy step. The final thing is a hard step. Georgia can take it, but it's not a guarantee that it will. But if it does, the rewards for doing so will be exponential. Now, as a way of setting this up, let me let you hear Kirby Smart again, talking about the way that he felt about what he saw offensively, And I want you to listen specifically to what Smart says that he saw from Clemson defensively in this game on Saturday. And after you hear Smart say it, I'll tell you why I believe that it matters. Take a listen to this. The perception is we didn't score a touchdown, right? And and we didn't. So, like, we're a very matter-of-fact judgment. And it's like, okay, well, we didn't score, but, but why? Why did we not? Okay, you go through the reasons why, and you go through each play, and um, a lot of it was attention to detail. It's not converting on third down, missing a couple explosives. They played us very different than uh, what you would normally say a Clemson team would play. They, they prepared for speed breaks and shots and fastballs because that's what they had given up, uh, and they did a good job of defending that. But to say that we didn't function or didn't run the ball well, we ran the ball well at times. I mean, anytime you can run the ball down somebody's throat in four minutes, 
it's pretty obvious that they know we had to run the ball there and we were still able to. So we did some really good things offensively. Hey, I'm excited to see what our guys can do, you know, moving forward. And the greatest jump you make is from game one to game two. So uh, we got to find a way to be more explosive. And you can see on tape that it's there. There's a concept in like intelligence and military circles called red teaming. It's essentially in sports what you would think of as scouting yourself. You look at your own vulnerabilities and say, hey, if an enemy is going to try to defeat us, how would that enemy try to defeat us? It sounds like in the case of Saturday's game, Clemson did a pretty good job of red teaming itself. What have we given up defensively? And that's probably what George is going to try to exploit on us. And Smart says, yeah, Clemson was ready for some of the things that we were trying. And this leads me to the point that I think is the most important here when it comes to the Georgia offense. Kirby Smart says we didn't score a touchdown. You have to ask yourself why. To me, the answer to that points back to the way in which Georgia's talent is deployed. There is just something to be said for creating an offensive identity, creating an offensive game plan for an individual game that your opponent can't easily anticipate. I take Smart's words there at face value. I take them literally. He says, we had a plan of things we wanted to do, and Clemson anticipated what our plan was going to be. And you can look back and say, like 2019 and certainly aspects of 2020, where the Georgia offense was just too predictable. And as Todd Munkin takes the helm and kind of fully asserts himself as Georgia offensive coordinator, that's supposed to change. But on the basis of what Smart in his own words says that says there is, that one aspect of this hasn't quite changed yet because even with Georgia trying to surprise Clemson with some things, I'm basing a lot of this on what Kirby Smart just said, even with Georgia trying to surprise Clemson with some things offensively, Clemson was anticipating and ready for even the things that Georgia thought was a surprise. That there is just something to be said for an offensive mastermind devising an offense that either a defense can't anticipate or does anticipate but still can't stop. There is just something to be said for winning the chess match. Now, I am more than happy to tell you this. I am not smart enough to know how to do that. I have no idea how an offensive coordinator wins that chess match against defensive, um, you know, a, a game plan or defensive coordinator, whatever you want to say. I don't know how it gets done. But I am at least observant enough to watch college football week in and week out and notice that there are some teams who seem to be able to do this each and every week. And they are not teams that have more seasoned, experienced offensive talent than Georgia. They just seem to, for whatever reason, have a better game plan. They just seem to, for whatever reason, have a better idea of how to deploy the talent they do have. And they just seem to, for whatever reason, get better results than Georgia does, including, by the way, in games like the one that Georgia played on Saturday against Clemson, because in big spots, Clemson's give up, given up big point totals before. Now, that doesn't mean it can't happen for Georgia over the course of the season. But what it does mean is the last step towards offensive improvement, the one that matters the most, is the most difficult to take. You've got to create a game plan to use the guys that you have. And to Kirby Smart's credit, he said that yesterday. Hey, we've got to use these guys that we have. And there's an obvious recruiting connection to this. I've said a million times that if you don't use the guys you have, you're not going to get the ones that you want. The future receivers, the guys that are, you know, bold print names, the 2022 class, they are watching to see how this current crop of Georgia playmakers are being used. And they're going to make their decision about where to go to school on the basis of what Georgia does with the talent that it has. And that's the challenge awaiting Munkin, the challenge awaiting everybody that works with Todd Munkin, to take the talent you have, however healthy it is, however experienced it is, come up with a game plan that the other team does not see coming. Come up with a game plan that the other team does not have an easy remedy to stop. And find a way to score points with what you have. Now, it gets easier as the competition level goes down. And it gets uh, easier as the receivers get a little healthier and get a little bit more experienced. But given what Georgia currently has, there are more resources in place to do more than what Georgia did on Saturday. And hopefully the next few weeks show us some of the offseason improvement that we were hoping we'd see against Clemson. With all that in mind, let me let you hear one more from Kirby acknowledging, yeah, you know what, I am a little frustrated right now that the offense didn't do more than it did on Saturday. This is the last one from Kirby. Take a listen to this. It frustrates me because I'm like, golly, we did that. We practiced that. We showed that. Look, how can you see yourself doing it here than not doing it here? But it also excites me because it's not a lack of ability. You know, some coaches have to go out and coach and they don't, they couldn't do any better than they did. You know, that's not the case with us. We have the ability. 
I like that from Smart Thea. We have the ability. We've got the talent in place. It's one of the reasons why I've hammered home the point the last few days of ultimately the job of all college football but certainly in this case the georgia offense it comes down to the suits not the boots it's the it's it's the it's the officer class not the not the rank and file infantry soldiers in the field it's the job of the coaches to make the offense work and if it doesn't work you can't blame the players because it's the coaches who are making the millions of dollars it's the coaches who have the play card in their hand it's the coaches who convince these players to come to georgia with big promises about what they do once they put the silver bridges on it's the coach's job to get more out of the offense and this saturday against uab hopefully that is exactly what we'll get a chance to see that is around the doghouse it's presented today by our friends at georgia's own credit union and georgia's own credit union offers you something great right now a chance to get in on a visa signature or platinum card now when you do there are all kinds of great incentives for you on that including a chance to make contactless payments which is super easy and convenient you can also earn flex rewards which can be used for anything i'm talking about gift cards travel cashback merchandise so much more and as a bonus you can even earn up to 150 when you open a new platinum or signature card of course restrictions do apply so to sign up for your card and to learn more about this check out the website it's georgesown.org that's georgesown.org and you can find out a lot more about that here today we're not done with hearing from kirby smart on our program today kirby also addressed some issues with the team related to covid yesterday obviously uh, head athletic trainer ron corson has continued his battle with a breakthrough case of covid so we will talk more about that before we're done on the show but for now on everything facing uga after a huge win against clemson and a big big step through the uh, rest of the rest of the season uh, let's get that all right now as we welcome in connor riley for a kroger fresh take here on dog nation daily today from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider all right so i had a lot to say about the georgia offense off the top of the program here and i know connor riley's got a lot to say too and connor as we get going on our kroger fresh take i guess that's where we'll begin you know my point on this is simple you can expect a little bit of improvement as guys get healthier and as they get more experienced and as you play teams that aren't quite as good defensively as clemson is but you're going to have to have a great game plan if you want the exponential growth. You're going to have to have the kind of game plan that's not easily defended against and easily predicted uh, if you want to have the great success. And, you know, that's going to be the job of Georgia in the uh, weeks ahead. How much of that offensive improvement do you expect to uh, happen now that Georgia takes a little bit of a step down in competition over the course of the next few weeks? Not a whole lot. Uh, Kirby, there was a quote yesterday uh, when he was talking about Dominic Blaylock and Kiaris Jackson. It's not like, oh, Wednesday, these guys are going to be healthy now. This is still pretty clearly some multi-week injuries. And with regards to Kiaris Jackson, if Kirby Smart is telling us that someone's going to be cleared and they had off-season surgery, next year I think we need to be a lot more dubious that that's going to be the case because it's the second off-season in a row where we've had a key offensive player be told, yeah, they're going to be good to go for the start of the season, and then that's very clearly not the case. JT yeah. Daniels a season ago, Kiaris Jackson this time around. And sure, Jermaine Burton's back at practice, and he's practicing more now, and you, you would think not having to match up with a guy like Andrew Booth is going to open some things up there, and you know you, you think Marcus Rosemey Jackson, as he continues to come back and get more comfortable, is going to help things. But I still... I don't think the wide receivers and Darnell Washington is obviously still out and I don't expect him back th- until at, at the earliest the end of the month. The wide receivers still until I actually see that don't have the I don't have the confidence that they're going to be out there going down making the big plays that you see a Chris Olave, a Garrett Wilson, a John Mechie, a, a Jamison Williams uh make on, on on Saturdays. They'll run the ball better, they'll score more points, but as far as seeing the offense and, and being that sort of vertical passing attack and the one that is running into wide open space and making these 20-yard passing plays over and over again, I, until those guys get healthy and we see them on the field, I, I just don't know that they're capable of that at this point. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is do you think Georgia currently has enough talent at its disposal to play better than it did on Saturday? And obviously you have to factor in the opponent on this kind of stuff too. So there's a little bit of a sliding scale. And my answer is yes, I still believe there's enough talent to play better than Georgia played on Saturday and against teams over the course of the next few weeks that Georgia's going to be favored by more than three touchdowns in, in, in most of these games. You know, you start thinking a little bit differently at Auburn, of course, but lots of games in the, in the coming weeks where Georgia's going to be a very big favorite uh, there is still, in my belief, enough offensive talent 
to play well offensively to get to those 30 plus point you know totals and things like that as just a for instance as a way to measure all this and I think it remains to be seen if 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 the game plan is going to allow for that to happen yeah I I think Georgia's going to be able to ride the running backs I think Zamir White played well I think Kendall Milton made some impressive plays James Cook with what he was asked to do I thought played well so the running backs I think are going to be there and that's going to get Georgia to a place I think they can score 30 35 points a game you know Brock Bowers is obviously very good in his debut there and I'm interested to see how he continues to become a bigger part of this offense as he develops more but again until they get healthy at this wide receiver and I'll include Darnell Washington in there as well until I see Kyrus Jackson back on the field until I see Dominic Blaylock on the field I'm gonna have questions about whether or not this offense can get to where it needs to be let me just say one more thing about this and then we'll move on you know I don't think the offensive game plan for Georgia on Saturday was necessarily vanilla. I do think it maybe have been predictable, but I don't think it was necessarily vanilla. I mean, getting Brock Bowers involved as many times as you did, you know, that's clearly, you know, some creativity and the kind of thing that maybe in the past Georgia might not have done. I thought the ways in which they tried to use James Cook late in this game were kind of interesting. Some of the probably not quite jet sweeps, but sort of sweep style uh, handoffs that, that, that Cook had a chance to run on. I think there were some moments in the game that showed some creativity, but the overall game plan just didn't really work. But but it's not for a lack of what I would describe as creativity, I guess. Yeah, and I think part of it that plays into it was Georgia knew pretty early on in that game they didn't need to get out of second gear offensively. And when I think they did try to open it up, JT Daniels made a horrific interception that was just a, a straight-up bad throw and something you can't do. And so – you wonder if a play like that where you know your defense is playing great, you don't need to give Clemson any extra opportunities, certainly played into, I think, the way that Georgia went about in playing in the second half of that game. Whereas, you know, if they're playing, I think, a little bit better of an offensive line, a more competent offense, maybe Georgia is forced to open things up a little bit more and attack downfield. Because, while yes, I understand that Clemson was playing a lot of deep zone and dropping guys in. Who's to say that Alabama and Ohio State and teams going forward aren't going to do that? You're going to have to find ways to beat these defenses that play you in this ultra-conservative way. And so whether it be Adonai Mitchell taking a step forward, whether it be getting Arian Smith more involved, which simply, you know, Arian Smith might not ever develop into a great wide receiver, but you can very clearly scheme up plays for him to get open and use in your offense. We've seen it happen before, and I think that's something you need to see going forward as well. So... Again, you know, I, I think that the the opponent certainly played into it. The the way the game was unfolding, where Clemson was going to struggle that entire game, and and so, you know, that certainly played into it. Whereas if Georgia's hand is maybe forced by a better offense, you wonder if that changes the way they play it. Yeah, all. I mean, just real quick here, and I said we're going to move on, but I don't want to say one more thing. I mean, you watch enough football on Saturdays, you don't have to be an offensive coordinator yourself to see that. Anybody can throw deep and anybody can throw short, but it takes a true devious mind to devise these intermediate routes, yep. middle of the field, you know, middle of the zone. That's where like the brilliance, the diabolical genius kind of comes in. Anybody can run a nine route and just, you know, try to, you know, uh, hand grenade it down the field. You know, anybody can just sort of dump off short stick routes. But the teams that are really making their money are doing it in kind of like the middle, the soft part of a defense. And that's where the brilliance of a play calling mind, I believe, shows up on the basis of just trying to watch this stuff as close as Yeah, you go back and watch that 2019 LSU team. Joe Brady was getting those guys open in those intermediate spots all the time. That's what Ryan Day was doing on Thursday night against Minnesota. And then because they have such great athletes, which I, I do believe Georgia has good athletes at those positions, they're able to take those 15 to 20-yard catches when they get them and turn those into 30 yards or sometimes even 60-yard plays. And so you know, Joe Brady, I think, did a great job with LSU in that 2019 season I, I think Steve Sarkeesian did the same a season ago so we're going to see if Georgia is able to do that going and I would point out here Clemson got torched by Ryan Day last year on those very same yeah. intermediate routes right so they knew they, they they've been in enough big games to sort of know okay that's what you really can't prevent that's what or that's what you really can't allow to happen you have to find a way to prevent those and so I do think Clemson does deserve some credit for for the way they game plan that I hate it for Tate Ratledge this is a guy that had earned a lot of praise during the spring and seemingly picked up where he left off to start the summer I was genuinely excited about watching him play because I said this to John Stinchcomb yesterday I've known high school coaches that battled against rat legends like the one thing they always talked about was just the nasty streak with which he played with and I mean that in full compliment I mean that that he just brings a competitive edge and I think that Georgia needs that I think all teams need that I think that Ratledge was the guy that can provide that for Georgia his football future is still bright we're just gonna miss out on a chance to see him this year but also it's the issue of now how Georgia replaces him. I thought that Kirby Smart said something 
pretty interesting yesterday and probably pretty wise, all things considered, that, hey, you've got to be careful playing Van Praan and Erickson at the same time, even though Erickson's clearly capable of playing a high-level guard position, I think. He's, you know, obviously Georgia's other center. And as he gets healthier with his snapping hand, you know, thinking about, you know, uh, one of those guys as kind of the emergency center in case the other one gets hurt is pretty important. I know you've written about this, but how well do you think Georgia is set up to handle the the loss of Tate Radledge? Right yeah, now? for starters, hated for Tate. Had an awesome camp. Totally locked down that right guard spot. Was absolutely going to be a factor there throughout the season. And then he breaks his foot on the first drive of the season. You, you just absolutely—it's a cruel hate it. sport. It really is. And, and you know, I, he, Kirby Smart was asked, "Well, you know, this is four foot injuries now. Uh, is there anything to it? Uh, it it's just—it's a, a freak and fluke injury, and it's unfortunate that it happened to Tate because he was absolutely going to be a very key piece to this Georgia offensive line." I, I thought the, the point Kirby Smart made yesterday on Van Prawn and Erickson was very interesting, and my immediate conclusion, coupled with something else that he said. I think it's Broderick Jones' time. Yeah, I think we're going to see him potentially start, certainly play a lot on Saturday, but potentially start for Georgia. I thought Kirby Smart, uh, when, when, when he brought up Broderick Jones unprompted, when he brings up guys unprompted mm-hmm. in the manner in which he does, I think that's very encouraging. So I think what you'll probably see is you'll see Jamari Sawyer move down to left guard, Justin Schaefer move over to right guard, and then Broderick Jones move into that left tackle spot. And obviously Warren Erickson is still going to play a quite, quite a bit, but they Kirby Smart outlined exactly why they want to be careful and cautious there. And I, I got a chance to see Warren Erickson's hand yesterday. looked quite painful. Um, yeah. So they, they're going to want to be careful there, and I think this does open up a path for Broderick Jones to get on the field. And I can say that after things were pretty quiet on the Broderick Jones front for a pretty good long yeah. while – I had been hearing some buzz about Jones lately yep. anyway, kind of off-the-record type stuff. So there had been a little bit of chatter leading up to Jones getting a chance to play some on Saturday and, as you said, now being brought up unprompted by Kirby Smart. So there's a pretty good little bit of, um, what is it, I guess, smoke to that fire yeah. that, that it, it sounds like Jones is coming on at the right time, which does give the Georgia the luxury of now playing Salyer at his more natural position. Although, shouts out to Jamari Salyer, because by all in... Did you hear Miles Murphy's name called at all on yeah, Saturday? Yeah, I tell you what, Jamari Salyer really seemed to put him in handcuffs on Saturday. I, credit, like, again, we, we probably won't have time to write about this or discuss it in full. Jamari Salyer, if, if Georgia didn't have two five-stars waiting to play at, at offensive tackle... Jamari Sawyer could be at a first-team All-SEC level left tackle. He was incredible on Saturday night, and I think moving him down to guard, you know, Roger Jones is almost certainly going to have some growing pains, but to your point, he sort of started to separate himself the second half of fall camp. Certainly, I think, pull away a little bit there from Amarius Mims, and it's going to be interesting to see because he is a guy who, if he's able to put it all together, can be an absolute star in this league. He's just got to, you know, display the me in, in comparison to Tate, Tate was just mean and nasty, and that's yeah. something you really look for in, in offensive linemen. Is Broderick Jones going to be able to play with that same mean streak? Certainly in the run game, because I think that's right. actually the area of biggest concern I have for Broderick, because this dude is an absolute freak athlete out there at left tackle, and he will be able to, I think, cover up a lot of the other teams' best pass rushers. Yeah, I think sometimes the athleticism for a really big man can be a little bit – it's like a double-edged sword. Obviously, you want to be that mm-hmm. kind of athlete, but when you have grown up – with that combination of athleticism and size, the world just kind of comes easy for you a yep. little bit. And you got to find a way to go back and be hungry again. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze Jones here, but, I, but you just see this a lot where it's like, for the guy who's got it all, finding the anger that you need yep. to put that all in the, into the same direction is, is an important thing. One more thing about uh, Jamari Salyer as well, and I'm sure you saw this video. It got shared with me a couple times. He had one of those great, like, violent punch moves that you sometimes see the tackle does where it just absolutely lays waste to the uh, would-be pass rusher. I mean, he just looks – he just looked, look, he looked good at the position on Saturday. There are people that thought Miles Murphy is going to be the best defensive end in college football this year. Mm-hmm. And he drew one holding penalty, and that was not on Sire. He sort of gotten on a twist, and Justin Schaefer had recognized it there late. So – I, again, you can't say enough about how well Jamari Sawyer played, and he's going to be an absolute stud for Georgia at guard. He's going to shore things up, blocking there on the interior, and I'll be interested to see you know, what happens with Roger Jones. Does, how much does Xavier Trust potentially play there going forward? But, you know, Georgia, this is why you have depth. This is why you signed six top 100 offensive line recruits in back-to-back classes. 
because you're going to have injuries, and unfortunate as it is to see what happened to Tate Ratledge, you've potentially got one former five-star moving from left tackle, a position he played very well, to make way for another five-star offensive lineman to enter the fold. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I want to ask about the defense coming up. Let me remind folks, though, this is our Kroger Fresh Tag with Connor Riley. Happy to have him in the program and happy to have Kroger in our lives there as well. So much fun to be with the folks, Lori, and the, and the gang from Kroger this past weekend for Dog Nation Invasion. I love what they're doing in our communities right now, including giving you a chance to protect the ones that you love from the flu time to start thinking about that again for the upcoming year uh flu shots more vaccines of course available for you at your local kroger if you check out kroger.com slash flu you can find out more about that kroger.com slash flu we appreciate the hard work the kroger pharmacy is doing to help us kind of stay healthy and safe this time of year so check out kroger.com slash flu for more on that I said this yesterday, Connor, Georgia defense, the best performance I've ever seen in a big game from the dogs. And I can't really even think of anything that comes close. You have to go back to 2017 SEC championship to find a moment in which Georgia kept a top five team below 10 points. I would say that Clemson's an entirely different animal, even that Auburn team was. This is the kind of thing that just doesn't happen much anymore. And when you think about 2018, which was a really good Georgia defense, they only had 24 sacks for the entire season. Georgia had seven yesterday, or I should say Saturday. I just think however you want to crunch the numbers, however you want to compare it historically, it's as good as it gets, and I still can't stop talking about it. It was an absolutely in- incredible performance. Back to front as well. I think the Georgia secondary handled itself very well. I believe only two pass plays longer than 20 yards for the entire night, and I know the explosive plays were something Georgia struggled with a season ago. So for them to come out and prevent those for most of the night, I thought was a really encouraging sign for this Georgia secondary. Obviously, a lot of pass interference calls, but I think with the way that Georgia plays, like sometimes that's just going to be the reality of it when you are that physical. And, you know, it's not like uh, on the two Keeley Ringo ones, it's not like they were getting – he was beat 15 yards downfield and was trying to prevent a touchdown. It, it, it was just got caught in a bad position and, and, you know, maybe got a little extra physical. I will say that N'Kobe Dean pass interference was absolutely ludicrous. Horrible. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard to pick who had the best game. I mean, Jordan Davis was an absolute monster. They had two rushing yards for the entire game, and N'Kobe Dean – I mean, you know, again, he's had the Roquan thing his entire career, yeah. and he was absolutely all over the place. Two sacks. He drew a chop block penalty, and, and which is almost impossible for someone of his right. size coming on a blitz. Uh, he was all over the field. Uh, you know, Nolan Smith, I thought, was really, really good, both as a pass rusher in that game, getting the first sack there where he just straight up beat his left tackle and also setting the edge there on on, on, a, on run defense. Adam Anderson probably didn't even have the game I think a lot of us expected, but he still got to the quarterback. Jalen Carter and Devontae Wyatt provided constant yeah, pressure. I mean, right. we could keep going on and on and on talking about this team. Chris Smith and Latavius Breeny, I, I do want to shout them out. I wrote about yeah. them yesterday. Made big plays in the secondary there, and I don't, you know, with as well as Georgia has recruited in the defensive backfield in recent seasons, I don't know how many people thought in 2018, 2019, those guys would ever be serious contributors, and the two biggest plays of the game were both made by those guys. The pick six by Smith and then Breeny breaking up a pass in the end zone. That Against Frank Gladson, who I think is a yeah. very good receiver. Yeah, uh, and Breeny was actually targeted two straight times there. They, they felt that Clemson could attack there, and I thought Breeny, to his credit, held up there and played an excellent game for Georgia. Yeah, so I was thinking the other day about the – remember the old viral video of Kirby Smart that I want you to eat? And I want you to eat. Yeah, everybody, everybody loves that video with good reason. I think sometimes, though, there's been this criticism that – Kirby just doesn't let these guys eat, right? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, the same way that some people think, well, you know, too conservative on offense. There are a lot of smart people that think, man, Georgia just doesn't turn these playmakers loose defensively and let them do what they do. That's not true anymore. Nope. Saturday was a day which, which big name, five-star level recruits, they were allowed just to sit there and feast all, all day long. It's fun to watch. I, I said this yesterday. It's it's a defense that was essentially playing offense. The job of an offense is to move the ball down the field. Georgia was moving the football in the right direction yep. defensively. They also scored defensively. This was a defense that was allowed to eat on Saturday. There were so many fans who've just been hungry for that just aggressive mindset. When you've got the better talent, let that matter. And Georgia just unlocked it. I give Dan Lanning a lot of credit for it. Kirby Smart gave Lanning credit for it after the game. I think from a mindset standpoint, he is unleashing potential right now in these Georgia players. And frankly, I really can't wait to see where they go from there. So you you, you mentioned letting guys play. You know, obviously Jermaine Johnson had two sacks for Florida State on, on Saturday night. And again, you know, Jermaine Johnson was a really good player here for Georgia. Five and a half sacks last season, I think, in nine games. And he, again, would have had a tough time getting on the field over guys like Nolan Smith and Adam yep. Anderson, who backed it up on Saturday. 
How do you think Tyreek Stevenson feels? No, yeah, great question. He would have he loved – I'm sure he would have played a ton. He probably would have started for this Georgia defense. How do you think Major Burns feels? Yep. After where – because Dan Jackson was out there getting serious snaps, and, and that tells me Major Burns would have absolutely been a factor on this Georgia defense. So, you know, you understand wanting to play more, be the guy, be the star all the time. But there's something to be said about this Georgia defense where you, a guy like even Channing Tindall, I, I think that the, the stat I saw yesterday was he played 11 snaps. But when you're fresh and you're ready to go, you can be an absolute star in your role and still make a real impact and impress NFL coaches and scouts. And so because of that, I, I think just top to bottom, this Georgia defense showed why it was so impressive and so dominant on Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't want to get on a, a lost in a tangent here, but I do want to say this. I think you bring up a really good point. That for all the changes that are kind of afoot right now in college football, and I've certainly expressed my concerns about a number of them, the one thing that I hear pretty consistently, though, is is that the thing that coaches are most concerned about is the transfer portal. It's not name, image, likeness. It's not all these other huge changes. It's the transfer portal. It's the most corrosive force in the sport right now because I believe it offers a sense of false hope. Heard Kirby mention it quite a lot yesterday as well. Yeah, that that when you are not playing somewhere, it's easy to imagine, well, I'm going to go somewhere else and be a star tomorrow. But if I had a son who was a Tyreek Stevenson or a Major Burn, somebody like that, I do truly believe my advice to them. And frankly, this is also relevant for the guys that George is trying to get out of the transfer portal, too. Yep. I'll, be, I'll be fair about this. I believe my advice to my own son would be that if your goal is to be a contributing player at a major program, I think your best shot is to wait two or three years and hope it happens for you at the place that you are right now, as opposed to jumping ship, go learning a new system, learn how to live in a new state, get acquainted with a new school. I just think the transfer portal offers so much false hope. And of all the new stuff that has the potential of really harming the sport, I think the people who are the closest to this say it's the transfer portal way more than name, image, likeness and things like that. Right. And, you know, again, Tyke Smith could have absolutely been a big player for Georgia this past Saturday. But it's hard to imagine him playing a better game than what Latavius Brini yep. ended up playing. And Brini was a guy He who, just knows the system. He knows the system. He played well against – Latavius Brini has started – I wrote this yesterday. He started two games. They've been against top ten teams in Cincinnati and Clemson. And he has played very well in both of those games. There's something to be said about working in this defense for three to four years. And I know it's not cool and you want to get on the field quick. But when you're at a place like Georgia or a place like Clemson – you're only surrounded by the best of the best. So you're going to have to beat those guys out to get playing time. And if you want to get to the NFL, that's what you have to do there all the time anyway. So, sure, I, I get wanting to have tape out there on film. I understand Jermaine Johnson. And, you know, Jermaine, I think, actually probably made a move that was right for him because he is going to be able to, I think, yeah. showcase more what he is able to do. But there's also something to be said for the guys like Smith and Breeny who are going to show as well in Channing Tindall that, hey – I can be an NFL contributor. I've shown on a limited sample size that I can go in, be a good teammate, play my role to an excellent level, and do my job, and that's going to help me out later on in life. All right, we've gone very long here. The The COVID remarks from Kirby yesterday got big national attention. Do you have anything you want to say on this? You know, I, I think part of it is, hey, don't be surprised if you, if you see a player who tests positive for COVID, even though we have high vaccination rates. There are unfortunately going to be break, breakthrough cases, uh, as is the case. You look at the Cowboys, Zach Martin, their starting right guard. He's not going to play this week because he had a breakthrough COVID case. So, uh, you know, we can go into the layers. I don't think it's appropriate to do this uh, on air right now. Yeah. But it's something I think at the very surface level Kirby is saying hey just because we have a high vaccination rate this is still a very real issue for us in our program I'll play the audio later on and I'm like you it's more just for public knowledge I don't really have a lot of opinion on this right now or at least opinion that I'm going to share <laughs> but from a fact standpoint if a Georgia player is currently out who is vaccinated, that means that he was showing symptoms and being sick correct, correct. I mean that doesn't mean hospitalized but correct just, but 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 if a player is out who was vaccinated, then he then he got sick from his breakthrough case. Correct, because you only have to test if you start showing symptoms. All right, so we'll leave that there for now. Uh, Connor, thanks for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here today. We'll look forward to reading a lot more from you uh, at uh, dognation.com in the days to come. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, B.A. Take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff there from Connor Riley, a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. We'll roll through here to our SEC Through, and I will let you hear what Kirby said yesterday about the recovery for Ron Corson, uh, Georgia's head athletic trainer, and obviously the, the the breakthrough cases, and we'll just kind of leave that there on all of that. But I, I do want you to hear, at least hear what Smart said, because it got a lot of national attention yesterday. It was kind of like the 
in the scroll there, you know, the, the crawl, whatever you call it, uh, bomb the screen at ESPN for a good bit yesterday. So at least give you some of that. I'll also remind you, as we roll into our SEC through here, to check out our friends at Classic City Lager. Uh, a lot of folks enjoying some of that Classic City Lager at Dog Nation Invasion last week. And listen, I'm a simple person. I like simple things. I like good cold beer. I, I like the lighter lager-style beer because it's easy to drink when it's warm outside or just really anytime. It's, it's never a bad time to have a beer that's easy to drink. That's what Classic City Lager is. It is also, though, crisp, bold flavor because it's a craft-style lager. That means that there's a lot of attention paid to it. And I've actually talked to the people who made the beer, who, like, designed the recipe, and I've actually seen there at the facility in Athens, Georgia, how Creature Comforts makes the Classic City Lager. First of all, it's fascinating. I'm so interested in all of that. And uh, the great care that's taken to make sure that it tastes delicious when it gets right there to a U, uh, you know, kept cold so that it, the flavor stays, you know, right in there. And wherever you're doing your shopping, six and 12 pack cans, you can find it all year long. So check out some Classic City Lager because it is just good cold beer. All right. So here's what I will do. I will gladly take the L on Ole Miss from yesterday. And I'm disappointed because that Ole Miss yesterday beating up on Louisville presented me, prevented me from having a winning week. I think I went four and four with my picks last week. Uh, Ole Miss not uh, Louisville not able to cover against Ole Miss yesterday. Very dominant performance by the Rebels. So I'll gladly take the L on this for right now. I am not ready to totally change my opinion on Ole Miss on the basis of just one game. Admittedly, ran the ball, played defense, did some of the physical things yesterday better than I thought they would. Not that I didn't think they could run the ball. Obviously, with Jerry Neely, you have a chance to be a good running team. But beyond just throwing the ball around, beyond just being good in the passing game, Ole Miss showed some some real physicality yesterday. And to think they did that without Lane Kiffin is a noteworthy performance. And it contributes to what was an awful weekend from the ACC from really the word go, pillar to post, just embarrassing. And Louisville getting, you know, just absolutely – whitewashed by Ole Miss and by the way I love the uh, the powder blue uniforms from Ole Miss last night that looked really good it's a big time performance I'm still not high on Ole Miss for the season and maybe I'll be stubborn on this but for now I'm not going to change my mind wildly on the basis of just one game but I also had Louisville covering yesterday so admittedly I got to take the L on that We'll start looking ahead to week two. There are some interesting games in the SEC. And one of the things that you see this week that you don't see a lot of, there are many instances on Saturday where SEC teams are underdogs to non-conference opponents. South Carolina has been a slight underdog to East Carolina this week. Pitt is a slight favorite at Tennessee. That's a very interesting game. Historically speaking, there's a lot of tie-in to Johnny Majors. I think both sides are planning on honoring Coach Majors on Saturday. Obviously, Majors was a great coach at Pitt. You remember him coaching against George in the 76 Sugar Bowl. Uh, also went on to be uh, you know, a good coach at Tennessee there, too. So both sides honoring majors here. And for Tennessee, if you start thinking about the chance of having a winning record, they are an underdog to, to the, the Panthers. But this is one of those games that Tennessee conceivably could win. It was not always a thing of beauty against Bowling Green in week one. Pitt-Tennessee is a fascinating game. Uh, Florida's against South Florida on Saturday. There's all kinds of intrigue around Florida. they got key defensive players in the transfer portal but still playing. You've got Anthony Richardson occupying a number of roles, it would seem, right now. Uh, Emory Jones, eh, not quite sure what to make of that right now. That's pretty interesting. A&M's at Colorado, um, you know, at least on the road in a Power 5 spot worth paying attention to. Arkansas, Texas, I've been excited about for months. Reynolds, Razorback Stadium is going to be rocking and rolling on Saturday. And admittedly, I've been calling for the upset. I'm not going to change my mind on that. Texas was pretty good week one against Louisiana. I had that. Uh, I thought Sarkeesian would be ready for for his uh, opening test there. This is a spot where I think if you're Texas, you got to be really careful because Arkansas plays an incredibly tough schedule. There is, a, there is a moment in this season where they're just going to wear down. They did a year ago, right? By the time we saw Arkansas against Missouri end of season, they were not the same team they were earlier in the year. Uh, they were also dejected by having you know some officiating calls go against them, things like that. Knowing that there is tough sledding to come for Arkansas, I think the Razorbacks throw the kitchen sink at Texas on Saturday. That's a great football game. We'll have a lot more thoughts. NC State's Mississippi State. Mississippi State's awful. Um, I am – show you how, how big of a dork I am. I am so excited about Missouri and Kentucky. This game is fascinating to me. And the whole world seemingly is going to be on Kentucky. Will Levis, the new Wildcats quarterback, is getting a lot of positive attention right now. But, man, 
I think this is a pretty big spot for Missouri on Saturday. I'll go ahead and give you a little bit of a hint on that. A pretty big spot for uh, Missouri, all things being equal. Big national game is Oregon-Ohio State. That's a lot of fun. It's the uh, noon start. Uh, what else from a national standpoint? I guess that's about it, nationally speaking. Um, yeah, that's about – oh, no, I'm sorry. Iowa, yeah, Iowa State. Pardon me. Uh, Cy- Battle of the Cyhawk Trophy. Uh, pardon me, indeed, with uh, game day in Ames, Iowa, on Saturday for Iowa and Iowa State. And we laughed at Iowa State as a playoff contender. They were lucky to win week one. I think they're going to get handled by the Hawkeyes on Saturday. And that will pretty much do that. So for all those ESPN analysts who wanted to show us how smart they were by proclaiming um, – uh iowa state to be a playoff contender the expiration date on those takes i think is going to come due on saturday so fun stuff with iowa iowa state oregon ohio state and an interesting crop of sec games where some sec teams are underdogs in spots where you're not necessarily used to seeing that and we will make that your sec through and here on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia want to turn our attention back to uga here for a moment and said before y'all are tired of talking about this i'm tired of talking about this but i see this on high school football every friday for our games on petri tv and cbs 46 and you heard this from kirby smart yesterday there is still obviously a lot that's happening on the administrative level the coaching level in terms of managing the COVID stuff georgia's head trainer ron course tested positive according to kirby smart's own words yesterday there are players who are dealing with this in fact more so than what georgia's kind of used to so kind of opinion free on this uh you know presented without comment here is kirby smart yesterday on some covid concerns that george is still dealing with ron's doing good uh he's had a tough run you know ron's the hardest worker i've ever met in my life and uh he's never not been at this building on any day he never not been here two days in a row including spring break and off time and it's killing him i think to not be here uh and and his health seems good and hopefully be back but i'll be honest with you guys i'm as concerned as i've ever been we have three or four guys out with covid and we have uh, a couple staff members that have been out with covid here recently so for us we're at our highest spike and people are talking about the vaccination well these are people that are vaccinated i mean we're talking about breakthroughs and so that concerns you not only for the players on your team that are unvaccinated that are playing and not playing because we want everybody to be safe um, but it concerns me for the players that are vaccinated that we could lose one Um, and to see that with it's at the highest we've been since fall camp right now and i think there's this like relief that you guys feel like oh well everything's back to normal well it's really just not for us right now because we have the most we've had right now in quarantine I mean, I'll try to be careful how I say this because, as I said before, no one cares about my opinion about anything beyond you know football. But I think if you want players vaccinated, you have to have a policy in place that strongly incentivizes vaccination. In other words, I don't think you want to do too much to punish vaccinated players. Otherwise, I just think that raises a bunch of you know, uh, I guess, unpleasant questions. The other thing is, you know, for players who might test positive but aren't showing you know excessive symptoms do you have to have some tolerance for that knowing how pervasive this uh what do you call it delta strain seems to be these are all things for smarter people than me to try to figure out but um it it is a tough challenge for coaches right now because it may be even to some degree tougher than it was a year ago because a year ago the thing was well you just keep everybody away from everybody at all times and that was thought to be the best idea then but there was always a way to do more which is more restrictions more more distance more 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 maybe that worked maybe it didn't but the pathway that you were supposed to travel was a little bit more clearly defined in 2021 i would say that the that the plot points here are are not quite as easily traversed and so uh kirby smart you know certainly finds himself in kind of a tough spot here and Obviously, you know, it's the kind of administrative task I'm sure he never thought he'd be dealing with. On a much happier topic, let me remind you that I gave you some of the big games for the upcoming week. Don't forget, later on this week, we'll have Go With The Flow. We'll make our picks against the spread. When we think about spread stuff around here, we're thinking about our friends at uh, BetUS, America's most beloved sports book. They've been doing this for more than 25 years, and you do not last this long in this industry unless you're taking good care of your players. Uh, with 
player perks, incentives, and everything else. And as a way of showing you how true that is, keep in mind that when you sign up for a new account there at BetUS, when you go to BetUS.com and when you use the promo code DN125, the DN stands for Dog Nation, DN125, you're going to receive 125% sign-up bonus. Simple words here. You put in $100, they're going to give you an extra $125 on top of that in your account. That's what it means by 125% bonus. You can get involved with the college stuff. It doesn't have to be college football, though. It could be pro football if you're more interested in that. Baseball down the stretch, MMA, uh, international soccer, really all of the stuff that's going on. You can get in on all of it. Ryder Cup coming up there as well. BetUS.com, promo code DN125, 125% sign-up bonus. Uh, Just make sure you use the promo code DN125 at BetUS.com. All right, so here on the show each and every day, and we had somebody in our Dog Nation comment section bring this up earlier, we'd like to give away our golden shoe. And a lot of times it's a Gator hater roll call. Obviously, Georgia fans love taking shots at the lousy, stinking Gators, and we love when they do so. However, Georgia fans still basking in the glow of a win against Clemson, and so that is the subject of our Golden Shoe giveaway today. Uh, our buddy Barkalot on Twitter, MKDG Dog, uh, gives us how about uh, Kirby here? Is it Joe Exotic? Is that who the guy's supposed to be from Tiger King? Uh, Kirby looks really good in the sequin shirt there with the Georgia G on it, the Tiger King. 10-3, Georgia taking down Clemson. Yeah, I am here for that. Kirby is Tiger King, and clearly on Saturday, all the dogs led by Kirby with the Tiger Kings. So good stuff there to uh, bark a lot. You are a golden shoe winner for today. By the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, what Clemson got on Saturday, Florida's got coming to them 53 days from right now. We'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments, those of you who submit them at dognation.com. And for those of you listening to the podcast, I know it's an extra step to submit the comments, but I do love hearing from you. So one of the things you can do is we usually post the podcast post by around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, usually. So if you've got something you want to say and you're not active on Twitter or anything like that, just go to the comment section there at dognation.com and you can just write a quick thought in there. I love reading these on the air. It makes a lot of fun what we do when you uh when you have all of that so also some some twitter stuff here too we'll kind of get to all of that (laughs) folks are still sending some great great social media edits about the george clemson game i told our video audience a moment ago that i'm not quite so sure when i'll get tired of people making really cool edits of georgia beating clemson and kind of mocking clemson for losing not sure when i'm gonna be tired of that but that day is still very very far into the future for now so uh good stuff from robert morris on that uh analytics man who's uh estots on twitter says would be good to know how ratledge got a liz frank injury assume that someone stepped on his foot and I know Kirby addressed this yesterday and some of the things they've done to try to you know limit this kind of stuff, including wearing the right kind of shoes, which does not seem like it was a problem for for Ratledge. But look, if you really think about this, I'm actually amazed there's not more guys stepping on feet than they are. I know that you think about, well, you've had you know three Georgia players at least with kind of a similar injury in terms of uh, feet and things like that. And, you know, obviously I wasn't an eyewitness you know, to these, so I can't say exactly how they were how they happen but i do know that i talk to a lot of football people all the time and they are very concerned about players feet getting stepped on because this is one of those things where you almost wish like the spider you know the spider camera that's above the field that kind of you know flies around to give you that overhead look you almost wish you could almost get like a, a drone and get it even lower so you could really see the dance that goes on with these feet on every kind of play because first of all the guys who are stepping on your foot oftentimes are a big dude, right? A lot of times it's a lineman. And you're, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so you can obviously just disregard all of this, but your toe bones are not especially strong, right? You know, it's like, it's easy to break a toe. You know, you kick a chair or, you know, you walk in, in the house and you accidentally, you know, kick a, a table or something. I mean, first of all, it hurts like crazy. But second of all, I mean, it's not hard to break a toe. It's very, very easy to do. Um, uh, and so big 300-pound lineman steps on your foot, the chance of that leading to to a injury are pretty high. And what makes it worse is is that so much of, like, the foot thing, in addition to, like, being incredibly painful, it's also a stability issue, right? I mean, those are your those are your 
you know, what do you call them? Like uh, your pods. That's what that's what kind of keeps you uh, up and mobile and up and functioning. And when you can't put that weight on, it, it's just hard to stand up. Now, I said before, I'm way over my skis in terms of explaining this from a medical standpoint. But I think you get the point I'm trying to make because it's not just Georgia that dealt with some of this kind of stuff. It's what happened to the Clemson, uh, the, excuse me, the South Carolina starting quarterback. I believe he got his foot stepped on in the early stages of practice. And they were saying the same thing in South Carolina of, you know, when you have all these big feet moving every time the ball is snapped, the chances of somebody stepping on somebody is just pretty high. And there's just only so much you can do about that. And, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a frustrating situation, especially for Tate because, you know, the expectations were very high for him. But I'm actually surprised those feet injuries don't happen more than they do. Uh, let's get a few more comments here. C-Dub, Christopher4610 on Twitter saying, huge thank you to Dog Nation Daily College Game Day and uh, for making the best father and son trip. Boy, what a great time that is. Good-looking photo there. Uh, I love to see that. And I was lucky enough to have both my kids with me as well, Christopher, for the game on Saturday. And it's just such a great thing, right? I mean, ultimately, I'm going to be, like, philosophical for, like, two seconds, and then I'll move on. Like, you ever wonder, like, why sports is as popular in our world as it is? Because – Clearly, in terms of things that do truly matter, sports obviously doesn't have the same obvious you know, reason to matter that other things kind of do, but we treat it like it matters. And we would not be doing that for centuries, as long as we have, if there wasn't a reason for that. In pictures like this of a dad and a son having a good time in a game, this is one of the reasons why we treat sports like it matters so much, because it ends up making a father and son moment easier. If you didn't have sports, if you didn't have you know, for some people, it's a trip to Disney World or a Marvel movie, things like that. You know, if you didn't have these like fun things to get together and enjoy together, then it'd just be a lot harder to find that commonality with your children or your friends or, you know, whatever else. It's just sports creates opportunities to connect with people that otherwise we wouldn't have. And so I love to see that happening around Georgia football. Uh, you talk about big smiles here on the face of the dad, on the face of the son, especially after a big win. That is truly what life is all about. Um, I don't even know how to explain this, but uh, somebody sent me this video of, I guess they're testing out this like inflatable thing for nursing homes where like if you fall, it like cushions the blow and somebody wants to put <laughs> that inflatable wrap around Georgia football players at this point in time, maybe, maybe it makes sense. So uh, somebody found a lookalike for Matt Luke still on the sidelines for Ole Miss. It's kind of funny. Somebody says, I look like the uh, Alabama sideline host, Chris Stewart. Do I look like Chris Stewart? I don't know about that. Um, maybe so. Maybe so. I like to think of myself as but, – but maybe that's maybe that's true. All right. Uh, whatever else. Anything else? Orin Chile got a good comment. He said, did you see the play of the Bowers in the back of the end zone? It looked like a forced throw from, from JT Downs at first, but he knows his players. Bowers' vertical on that play was sick. He was making that catch if not hit by his own teammate. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting point by Orin, who's always a good commenter. But I also think that when you see Bowers targeted as much as he was, I think that portends good things for him for the rest of the season. I think he's going to be a very valuable asset by UGA, and that's a terrific comment there. So thanks for being here with us for R.S. Andrews' podcast, Cool Down. Hope all of you have a great day check out rs andrews online for your air conditioning humming uh excuse me plumbing and electric needs they'll take good care of you they'll keep a smile on your face because story after story they have been delivering smiles i'll see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then